Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast, episode 73, Ask Us Anything, the Sex and Back Pain Edition. Rob and I are talking this evening about all things that you've asked us on our Facebook community group. The Ask Us Anything episode is where we answer the burning questions that you've got about your back pain, how to help it, will it make it better, worse or the same, and anything else you've conjured up in your mind that might need helping out with. That's what we're here for, guys. Either we'll answer it personally on one of these episodes, or we get one of our world-renowned specialists to answer it for us. So here we go, Ask Us Anything episode 73, the Sex and Back Pain Edition. If that title doesn't get you going, I don't know what is. Let's go. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Well, hi there, Rob. Episode 73, Sex and Back Pain. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you, Dave. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, yeah. All good, mate. All good. So, another Ask Us Anything episode. I do enjoy these. I like the questions coming in from online. Me too. It, uh, it stops us having to think of think of interesting topics because <laughs> you provide them for us, so it's even better, really. Thanks for crowdsourcing our content, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, on a serious note, though, we do genuinely try to answer all the questions we do get on Facebook, Insta, uh, through the website as well, of course. And if they're, um, sometimes they're repeated, but if, if they're important, ask us. We'll try and do a whole episode on them or bring them into one of these Ask Us Anything episodes. Um, that way we can help you as much as we can. Yeah, exactly. And and also it helps us learn a lot because people always ask questions which we, you know, get stumped by, we go away and look up. So it helps us learn at the same time. So please carry on asking us questions. You know, it keeps our, you know, little grey cells ticking over at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, uh, let's get on with it, Rob. Let's do it. So question number one we had off of the uh, Facebook group, I believe. So uh, now this says, are you ready? My GP says that it's all in my head. What should I do now? My GP says it's all in my head. What should I do now? So this happens actually more than you would think. And although this says GP, this happens across all therapists. So, Hmm. you know, switch GP for physio, osteo, chiro, you know, friend, you know, bloke down the road, whatever it might be. You know, and people come and they say, yeah, the last person I saw, they said it was all in my head. Now, we know that the chances that this being said verbatim is pretty slim. You know, not many G- I can guarantee there aren't many GPs who are just going to turn to patients and say, this is all in your head. But either way, that's still the message that this person took from that consultation. So mm. what was likely happening was that that GP was trying to explain some pain science and a bit like we've discussed before with the episodes with Julia Gover and the other ones we've done on chronic pain, was trying to explain that it is the brain's job at the end of the day to decide whether something is painful or not. So yes, technically all pain is in your head, but what that person took away is that they thought the GP was making it up. So when someone comes down and they sit down in front of us and they say, oh, the GP says it's all in my head, what they're actually saying is, please believe me, you know, I'm not making this up, you know, this is real. So that's what they're, you know, that's my interpretation of when someone sits down and says, they think it's in my head. They're basically saying, you know, please believe me. Please, you know, take my pain seriously, aren't they? You know, that's yeah. kind of the, the, the way I see it. So my first acknowledgement to these people and anyone listening who's had this is your pain is real. 
So whatever your pain is, whatever it feels like, your pain is real to you. Pain is, yes, it's subjective. So yes, whilst some people might describe their pain as 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10, some people might say, yeah, but I had that problem and it's three out of 10. Your 10 out of 10 pain is still 10 out of 10 pain. Your three out of 10 pain is still three out of 10 pain for you. Pain is real for you. You're not making it up. Yes, of course, there's going to be rare people who are making up pain and trying to put things on. But that's the 1% of people, isn't it, really? You know, people don't make up pain. People don't waste money to come and see people like us or waste time to go and see people like the GP when they when they're actually making it up do they really mm. you know they 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 want help so that's what it is it's about validating patients who've got pain you know telling telling a patient that you know i believe you and that your pain is real is sometimes enough and then that opens the door it gains that trust you can then have that discussion about pain science kind of further down the line once they're open to it i guess Absolutely. So, so rather than you know uh, this practitioner saying it's all in your head, you know you're you're faking it. Do you reckon this has been a a, a bit of a, a a quick, if a little bit of a shoddy explanation of pain science and sort of like internal interpretation of pain, but it's just not hit home properly. Yeah, I think it's been basically been explained poorly. You know what someone's trying to say is, you know, it often will happen around MRI scans. You know, someone will say, oh, your MRI scan's normal. And then they've tried to explain pain by saying, well, actually, pain is a bit more complicated than just an MRI scan. You know, it's the brain's job to decide whether something's, you know, or your head's job to decide whether something hurts or not. It can be influenced by your thoughts, behaviours, your fears, your emotions. And when words like that are used out of context or just a quick 10-second explanation like that, Mm. it can be confusing. It can be hard to understand. And we speak about these topics, you know, on a weekly basis, you know, on a daily basis with our patients. So what is simple for us isn't simple for someone's hearing this for the very, very first time, is it? So when we're saying things like this, we can be very blasé about it. It's a bit like the way a surgeon's blasé about surgery and, you know, things like that. It's very normal to get blasé about what you do on a daily basis. So I think they get misinterpreted. I don't think any GP sat there telling patients that they're making up their pain. I, I You know, I don't believe that. And mm. I don't think that when someone comes to see you and then you immediately try and defend the GP, I don't think that's also a good option because the patient will, you know, if someone's suffering will, will struggle there. But, you know, if you then take the time to tell someone that their pain is real, then you can, you know, move on from there. Absolutely. I mean, look, we, we've dedicated countless, countless hours, um, hours and hours of podcast time uh, talking this over. And I don't think we've still, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg. Um and I, I know I do and you do as well, Rob, spend, again, hours and hours of extra time with people trying to explain this. So I can see in a hurried or in a, um, a quick appointment how this could the context of this could get lost or could get misinterpreted pretty quick. Mm. Oh, massively. And as you said, you know, for people that want to know more about this pain, jump back a few episodes. We did an episode on the biggest myth about back pain with Julia Gova, who, and she speaks brilliantly about all these topics about chronic pain episode i think three um all about fibromyalgia with uh, you know uh the musculoskeletal consultant uh deepak ravindran who's a fantastic pain consultant and he we speak for literally an hour and a half about chronic pain and mm. what can impact pain as well so see two fantastic episodes there all about pain and we go you know deep into it so you know the, the sad thing the sad thing is gps have what seven minutes to try mm. and you know explain our topics which you know took an hour and a half to talk to Deepak about, you know, because these are hugely complex topics. You know, it's not something which, you know, you can have a 10-minute conversation about, really. 
So understandably, these are hard to hard to do, really. So I hope that makes some sense and some confidence in people who have been told, you know, or have taken away from consultation that, you know, someone thinks their pain's being made up. Often these people don't think that you're making it up. They just explained it really poorly. Mm. So the, the add-on at the end of that, so um, uh, the question was, uh, my GP said, it's all in my head, you know, what should I do now? What should they do now? So they've been, they've been told, uh, or now they know. Actually, I'm not. It's not that I'm making it up. It's that actually contextually, um, uh, the pain may be made worse by what's going on. Uh, my interpretation of that pain might be increased. That's what they might have been trying to say. So, what should I do now? Should they be back into that specialist to to retalk this over? You know, to try and get that conversation flowing again to another specialist down the road. What, what, what's the answer? Yeah, well, I think if it was a um, someone like a surgical specialist and they've been, you know, they've been told they don't need, there's no surgical target, then that's firstly a good thing. So if they mm. were, you know, brushed off, you know, if whatever they call it by, you know, an orthopedic consultant, then that's a good thing. They don't need surgery. Brilliant. You know, n- no one wants to have surgery. So my next step would be find someone who a works with a lot of people with back pain, and that could be physiotherapist, an osteopathic chiropractor. Um, yeah, sports and exercise medical, medicine consultant, a sports therapist, doesn't matter. Someone that's got lots of experience with back pain and someone who understands this pain science, you know, and someone who does a lot of the things that we've spoken about on this podcast. And that is, you know, telling people that they are resilient, getting people moving, getting people exercising, getting people back to their jobs and back to their normal activities of daily, can't speak, normal activities of, of daily living. Um, not someone who's going to, as he said, brush you off, not believe you, tell you your pains in your head or, you know, spend two minutes with you and send you on your way you know and if you do need someone i've got a great place that you can go where can we go rob our website head on over to the backpainpodcast.com where you can pop in your postcode to our list of approved providers and you can find someone close to you who is tried and tested by us and they are fully abreast of everything they're talking about to give you the very best care possible Absolutely. I think you touched on a really important point there as well, Rob. You know, just because a surgical consult has said that essentially you're not for them, you know, that you're not at the right door at that surgical consult, uh, consultant, that doesn't mean that that's the end of the line for you. That's not, you've got to put up with this this pain, whether it's in your head or not forever. That just means you've tried one door and it's not right for you. The fortunate thing we have in this wonderful society of ours, both with the internet and with the availability of Google and finding a local practitioner in your area, off of the backpainpodcast.com, um, is you can then find someone who's next in line, someone who's going to look at you mechanically or, or um, uh, from a a different perspective Uh, it doesn't mean that there's no way out it doesn't mean that there's nothing left to do it just means you tried one door time to try the next one it's a great thing if anything you've ticked one off the list well done you on to the next i think that's a really good point often people will see surgeons as the the top of the food chain and you know their case has been escalated to a surgeon because they've surpassed everything else and that once a surgeon says there's nothing i can do for you or it's not a surgical case that will often be, oh, I'm at the end of the road now, when that doesn't have to be the case. That just just means, okay, brilliant, you're not a surgical case. Let's move on to try a different approach. That's it. You know, we've spoken before about, you you know, that you can't fail physiotherapy. You can't fail a profession. You know, you don't fail GP. You don't fail consultants. You know, it's a profession. One approach didn't work. You try someone different. And that's it. Absolutely. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that you're so bad um, that surgery can't help. Quite often it will be, you're not bad enough for surgery to help. It wouldn't actually be worth your while to do it. Balloons should quite rightly fall down from the sky at that point. Pigeons fly out. Um, uh, 
But to if that's dubs. not I, I, yeah, white pigeons. Um, I do mean doves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, it should be a happy thing. Oh, fantastic! We- happy wedding pigeons. Happy wedding pigeons. Um, you know, this is great. Happy wedding pigeon. Uh, bloody hell! Happy wedding pigeons fly out of the ceiling. Surgery is not for you. You need something else. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. But again, on a, a time restriction, that isn't always necessarily conveyed. Perhaps. Bang on. Right. Should we move on to question two? Let's do it. Question two was, so this is something we've spoken about a few times before, and I know you did a whole podcast dedicated to this. But the question is, I'm getting more and more concerned about my posture. I think it's contributing to, uh, contributing to my back pain. I saw an advert for a posture correction device. You know, I'm assuming one of these straps that people put over on their back around their chest. Mm. Should I buy one? Will it help my back pain? Shall I let you take this one, Dave? Oh, brilliant. Yes. Um, I'll try and keep the swearing to a minimum. Um, no, is my super speedy answer. I'm going to put my head on the block here and say no, a posture enhancer, a posture device, especially the sort of loops or straps that go around your shoulders and hoik you backwards, um, is not going to be an influence on your back pain. Now, this is tough because we're talking about people here who already have back pain. Um, rather than well people who might give themselves back pain through poor posture, which we already know from the science this is not what occurs. Will sitting or standing in a a very erect, upright and static position help your back pain? No, I really doubt it will. If anything, movement's going to be the thing that has been shown time and time again to be a positive influence on your pain, both from a neurological point of view, a physiological point of view, and a chemical point of view as well. Movement is key. Freedom to fidget. I think we've said this in every episode, uh, in about the last 10 episodes, Rob. You should be moving as much as possible. I do not suggest to be tied up, trussed up like a Thanksgiving hog Um, (laughs) in order to stay upright in a one still and very straight position. Although it might seem like a good idea, what you're actually doing is you're limiting the movement naturally that your body's going to have. And it's just not the right thing to do. There could be some benefits to, if you already have back pain and you're trying to avoid certain positions, yeah, of course, there might be things like um, uh, seat wedges uh, have been shown to be quite useful to to change the angle of the hips and the knees, um, uh, or a a device that might stop you from getting into a painful position. But this isn't a, a posture strap or a support. I do just think that these are... I'll be honest, rubbish. You'd be better off with a post-it stuck to your forehead that says, sit up a bit straighter. You'd be better off with an egg timer set next to the sofa so you don't slouch down in a ludicrous position and irritate that facet joint or that sciatic nerve that's already a bit irritated, but you're on the sofa so you don't notice it happening. You'd be better off getting off your buns and having a five-minute walk around the house every 45 minutes to stop that... um, Uh, system from tightening up rather than trussing yourself up um, with one of these eBay straps. I didn't swear once, I didn't think they're wrong. So you're not a fan? I mean, I'm (laughs) 50-50. No, do you know what? I'm I'm fervent on these. I'm really, really keen on the fact that these are not the right way to do it. They will actually probably give you more pain, possibly, long term. Have you ever noticed when you wear a hat? 
well, this is it. Yeah, why are we doing that? It would be silly. We know bed rest is not the key. We know that staying still and, and straight and erect is not the key. Movement's what's going to get you out of this problem. I'm not saying take a ballet class or, uh, you know, uh, go bungee jumping. It's not that kind of movement, but gentle and considered movement is really, really important. And I think they're usually priced at about 15 or 16 quid, just enough so you don't bother sending them back when you realise they're rubbish. I think they can give you more pain. I think they'll actually be a detrimental to people long term. Mm. No, I, t- I, I totally agree. And if you think of, it, of, of any other body part, if you had elbow pain and I said, yes, of course, there's going to be niches. But if you had you know banged your elbow, it was a bit sore or you overdid it a bit. And I said, cool, I'm just going to fix it in one position and you're not going to move it. How do you think the elbow is going to tolerate that? You know, how do you think long term your elbow is going to function if you fix it into one position and then I get you to bend and lift something with it, you know, once without that strap on, you're not going to have a fully functioning elbow and your back's exactly the same. You wouldn't stick someone in a corset for their low back pain. It's exactly the same thing. You know, as you said, you're better off with a post-it note on your computer saying get up every 15 minutes. That's going to be a far better option than spending, spending, you know, although it's even a little bit of money, it's still a waste of money on on a, you know, an S&M device to hold your shoulders back. <laughs> I'm yet to see one that I could even vaguely approve of for a short-term wear, Rob. Um, and you know what? If you're going to spend some money, wear one of those old T-shirts that you don't fit in anymore. That'll make you stand up straight, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> so I think that sums up posture devices um, to a T, really, doesn't it, I think? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we might have done that well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well done. Right, what was question three? Okay, so question three was a cool one, actually. Um, so... Question three is, I still have some leg pain after having an op, so an operation. Um, I was expecting this to go away. Is this normal? Now, we've not got any time frames here, Rob, so I'm going to let you play around with this as much as you want. So uh, someone's had an operation, I'm assuming on their lower back, because this is the back pain podcast after all. So a lower back operation for their leg pain, and they still have pain after this. Is this normal? So uh, I'll, I'll assume that they... Um, I've had something like a microdiscectomy to, you know, remove a bit of disc as theoretically that disc was likely irritating a nerve, giving them sciatica. And this is take very general, broad brushstrokes. That was the problem. Um, And yes, it is very normal to still have symptoms after surgery. You know, these, what a lot of people forget about this surgery and a lot of procedures for lower back pain is that the disc isn't the cause of the sciatica. The nerve is the cause of the sciatica. So an irritation, an irritation to the nerve root, you know, the nerve right where it exits the spinal cord, an irritation to that is what gives you those radiating leg pains. Yes, the disc in some cases can cause a little bit of local pain, but in the majority of these cases, the disc isn't the cause of the pain. So that discectomy, where you remove that bit of a disc bulge or that disc herniation or that disc sequestration, there can't speak sequestration, that's not to remove the pain. That's not what this operation is for. The operation is to remove that pressure on the nerve. That nerve still has to heal. You know, that sciatica pain comes from that nerve being irritated. It sends funny signals all the way down it and stops other signals getting back up, getting all the way back up it. That's why you get that pain. That's why you might get lack of sensation, so-called that radiculopathy or the paresthesia. Might get some tingling, some numbness, all these weird sensations all comes from that nerve being irritated right where it leaves the spinal cord. Now, a bit like when your skin is sunburnt, once you come out the sun, 
your skin is still quite sore for a while. It takes a few days for it to fully heal. And if you go get back in the shower, it still hurts like hell again. But it takes a few a few days to heal, even once that offending sun has you know gone back in again. Nerves are the same. So even once they've been a bit annoyed, they take a few days, weeks, and even months sometimes to really settle down. So it's very normal. And I'm not sure why this isn't always explained to a lot of patients is it's normal to have leg pain. It's normal to have these pains. You might have some flare-ups now and again, depending on what you're doing. This is just a measure to reduce the irritation on the nerve, giving it an opportunity to heal, but it still has to do the healing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, um, do you remember episode, I think episode three or four, we talked to um, uh, Rath Syndrome, um, and he was saying when they cut someone open, you know, they're doing one of these microdiscectomies or, he was, or some other... He was other. a spinal surgeon, yeah. Oh, sorry, he wasn't just a chap yeah. on a bus. <laughs> so I talked to Rath, and he was saying when, when they uh, listened to episode three, by the way, absolutely fantastic podcast, um, the actual physicality of that nerve is hot, red, swollen. It looks different from the other nerves. It's a, a different physiology. It takes time for that to actually calm down and change back to a quote-unquote normal nerve structure. Um, so no wonder that pain uh, stays around for a little bit. You know, it's, it's physically changed in its state. No wonder. Yeah, and it stays really sensitive. Do you remember the um, sciatica story with Tom Jessen? Oh, I love this story. Yes, yeah. So for those who haven't heard, what they, how they realised that nerves were the cause of sciatica was, um, I might be getting this completely wrong and I can't remember 100% the whole story, <laughs> but what they did was they had all these people with, with sciatica and they went in and they did a discectomy, they took the disc out or took, shaved a bit of disc off that they thought was causing the pain and they tied a little bit of thread around that nerve, or one on the right-hand side, they say the, the, the painful side, and then one on the non-painful side, the left-hand side. Because remember, you've got two nerves, one going down the left leg, one going down the right leg. And they then sewed these patients back up and they woke them up again. How's your leg pain? Oh, it's significantly better again because obviously some patients will have a big reduction in leg pain straight away. Mm. How's the leg pain? Oh, it's lots, but lots better. And then what they did was they lightly tugged on that little bit of thread that was still left sticking out the skin that was still wrapped around the nerve root or still wrapped around the nerve. And he could pull on the painful side really uh, really gently and it would immediately recreate that patient's sciatica and that leg pain. But they could pull the same pressure on the good side and it didn't cause any pain. And it was just showing you that that nerve stays irritated even once that disc has come off it. So the pain isn't just from that nerve being being pressed on by a disc. That nerve, that disc pressed on the nerve and causes it to become sensitive and sore. And then that then is what has to heal over time to get rid of those pains. Mm. Look, uh, and nerves are hardy bits of kit. You know, they're not made of glass. Think about what nerves go through a day. Your nerves yeah. go all through your body. It takes time for them to return back to that resilient structure. Um, you know, think about your, your nerves are in your hands, your skin, your arms. You bend, twist, bash and wiggle your nerves on a daily, hourly, minute basis. Um, it, it's not like they're made of glass and the slightest touch on them is going to irritate. Think about when you uh, lean on an elbow and get pins and needles. It's not immediate. It might take 20 minutes and suddenly uh, you get a little bit of pressure on that nerve after a sustained time. Just like those pins and needles doesn't go away straight away as you stand up. If anything, it sort of uh, increases a little bit. Um, uh, it, it takes a little bit of time for the pain, especially if you've had pain for a long time. You know, if that nerve's been irritated pre-surgery for a, a long time, it's probably going to take a little bit longer to, to heal as well. Yeah, right. 100%. And then I think that brings us a little bit on to quest the next question, which is kind of on a similar note. The, the, the chap who asked this says, does nerve healing happen the same for everyone? 
you know, does it, and I think what he's trying to get at is, you know, for, for two people with sciatica, if they both, you know, have it on day one, do they get better in the same rate or the same pattern? I think that's kind of what he, what he's asking. Okay. And whole, wholeheartedly, I would say no, you know, from mm. experience in patients who have, you know, we've seen thousands of patients with sciatica and back pain over the years you know, there's a very different rate. You know, some people might have the classic, what we call a centralization of pain, where the pain, you know, might be all the way down to the foot and the ankle, and it slowly starts to come up, and they might then, you know, be in the knee, then it might be in the thigh, then it might be in the hip, then it might be in the buttock, and then it might they kind of finish in the low back, and then it goes away. Some people might just have a general dulling down of all symptoms. You know, they might have you know, 10 out of 10 ankle pain when they first come in. Then over the course of six, eight weeks, they might have one out of 10 ankle pain. They still have ankle pain, but it's just significantly better. Some people have a few days of leg pain, but then months, months of lower back pain. Some people just have more of the radiculopathy type symptoms. They might have a bit of weakness or a bit of numbness. The numbness might take months and months to come back, even long after the pain's gone. So everybody, everybody has a completely different response to, to healing, really. Generally the same in terms of everyone will get better, but you know the, the how, how they get better is, is vastly different, really. Absolutely. And of course, from the mechanical or the physio uh, physiological side of things, yeah, everyone has the different healing rate. You know, if you cut your arm, it's going to be a different healing rate to the chap next to you that you also cut his arm. Um, and there's a few other things that are going to affect it as well. Things like your your diet, your your systemic um, health. Uh, check out episode number 46 we did, which was diet for your uh, the best diet for your recovery with uh, Ben Steel Turner. Um, fantastic episode on sort of creating the best environment, the best ecosystem for healing to be at an absolute optimum. Um, and then the cool stuff, uh, like Rob, well, like you said, uh, so it was episode 48, changing your mindset can improve your back pain, or of course episode number 33 chronic pain cbt and stoicism so your interpretation and your reaction to pain will also influence your healing time because your perception of that pain can change your perception is going to tell you whether it's a pain oh no i'm still in pain or a pain that's okay this is my transition from a, uh, a traumatic state to a healthy state i'm just on the journey i'm just on the way yeah and it is you know that stoic episode really hits home about understanding pain and about removing yourself from situations and you know looking at it from you know they call it top down viewing looking yourself from above and taking your mind out of it it's something i've used a lot when when things have hurt and it really plays a powerful impact on you know so looking yourself from from the from a third party imagining yourself from that third party and it can completely mm. change your perception of pain completely Amazing. it's fascinating really the mind is mind is a very powerful powerful tool absolutely right um, so let's move on to sorry no, I was going to say exactly the same here. We've got to go on to the uh, the big title feature of today. Now, of course, we've left this question till last, guys, because um, we want you to stick around and listen to all the other stuff we've got to say. Yeah, it's, it's 100% clickbait. So the question <laughs> was, so I've got sciatica. Is sex a big no-no? I mean... Dave, take it away. No, it shouldn't be. This this is uh, sort of, it's an easy one and a tough one all at the same time. I've got sciatica. Is sex a big no-no? No. As long as you're comfortable, as long as it's not painful to have sex, there's nothing inherently dangerous or, or negative about that. In fact, it will release loads of dopamine and good stuff and you might even feel a little bit better afterwards. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's something which people ask us a lot in clinic. So it's not anyone that you ask about this will have been asked this before. So it's, it's not new. And often people think that, you know, they might, 
get caught up in a moment and do some damage. You know, that's often the way that people have put it to me. They say, oh, well, you know, what if it's worse afterwards, that sort of thing. Well, that's for you to kind of decide whether it's, you know, worth the risk. But generally, no, there is no rule that says you can't do this. And I think that's the, the, the biggest takeaway, really. No, crack on, literally. Enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, we've, we've been asked this a couple of times before. We've been uh, waiting to try and um, uh, get either, again, a woman's health physio or a sexual health physio on board for a whole episode on this. We were obviously trying to save it for episode 69, viewers, uh, but it didn't quite work out that way, did it, Rob? I mean... One of the big things we get asked a lot is, you know, what's the best position for sex? Okay, so I've got back pain. What's the best position for sex? But it, there's not an easy verbatim answer. It's just got to be whatever is easiest for you. Whatever you don't get back pain in, that's the best one for you. Grab a Karma Sutra, work your way through. That's literally it. Start at A, work up to Zeta and work your way through it. There's, it's literally going to be, yeah, whatever's the most comfortable. There is no right or wrong. Test a few different ones out. See which one hurts least. Yeah, call it scientific research. Call, call it scientific research, and please publish your publish. Your, let us know. Let us know how you got on. But, yeah, uh, no pictures. <laughs> but please, God, no. Please, God, no. We might get shut down fairly quickly. Now, no, this is always a good opportunity to mention cord requiner if you are having any sexual dysfunction. Notice with your sciatica, then that is an emergent emergent emergency situation. So. If you are seeing someone for your back pain, they probably will have already warned you about this. But if they haven't, then this means ring 111 or go to A&E as an emergency because sexual dysfunction can be a sign of cord requina. Absolutely. So this this isn't the um, not being able to um, uh, achieve certain positions due to pain, is it? No, no, not at all. No, this is talking about um, difficulty in getting or maintaining an erection, um, Difficulty in passing urine, difficulty going to the toilet. You know, we've done a whole episode on kind of cord requina. But mm. no, those are symptoms. And any change to normal. So any change which is normal since the back pain has started. So if you've been having these problems for years and years, then and you've been investigated, then that's different. But if these are new symptoms since the onset of your back pain, then yes, then this is an emergency situation and you need to seek medical help as soon as possible. Excellent. Super important. So Super, super important and not one you want to miss. Okay, research away, guys. Um, uh, let us know your findings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, I think that about wraps up all the questions. I had no more on my list, Dave. Did you have any more on yours? No, that is all me. Wonderful. I think that's a good note to finish on. Thank you ever so much for listening, everyone. As I said, I've been Rob and Dave's been Dave. Hello. We've been the Backpain Podcast. Thanks for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace out. Thank you, guys. Love you, bye.